Welcome to Your American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. And now here's the host of Your American Heritage on Wham Talk 1692.7 FM, Ed Bondarenka. Thank you, Derek. Derek Stone, extraordinary producer. So, good afternoon and welcome to Your American Heritage, Saving the Republic, one broadcast at a time. Matt Clark's not using that anymore, so I'm taking it. Grab a beverage of your choice. Mine is Kafefi, beverage of presidents. Why hasn't anybody trademarked that yet? Why can't I go online and buy Kafefi? Let's get started. Speaking of presidents, I want to play something for you here. See if this works, because I don't think it's going to the way I thought it would. Well, I'm not hearing it, so. Well, a very, very Merry Christmas. For Christians, this is a joyous time to remember God's greatest gift to the world. More than 2,000 years ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. He said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel told her that she would give birth to a baby boy, Jesus, who would be called the Son of the Most High. Nine months later, Christ was born in the town of Bethlehem. The Son of God came into the world in a humble stable. As Christians everywhere know, the birth of our Lord and Savior changed history forever. At Christmas, we give thanks to God and that God sent his only son to die for us and to offer everlasting peace to all humanity. More than two millennia after the birth of Jesus Christ, his teachings continue to inspire and uplift billions and billions of people all over the globe. His divine word still fills our hearts with hope and faith and Christians everywhere still strive to live by Jesus's timeless commandment to his disciples, love one another. Above all, during the sacred season, our souls are full of thanks and praise for Almighty God, for sending us Christ, his son, to redeem the world. Tonight, we ask that God will continue to bless this nation and we pray that he will Grant every American family a Christmas season full of joy, hope, and peace. On behalf of Melania and the entire Trump family, Merry Christmas to all and best wishes for a very, very great and happy new year. Amen. I couldn't have said it better myself. I can only add on that my wife Sherry and I also offer our warmest Christmas wishes to you and your families. May God also give us a happy new year and that 2021 will be a much better year than this and see the second term of Donald J. Trump as president. Lord, let it be so. So the number is 734-822-1600, but hold off for a bit, okay? We have a guest and uh, I wanna get to him shortly. There are two major intertwined threads that are influencing our lives these days, threatening our basic liberties and rights on a scale imagined only by George Orwell and George Soros. COVID fraud, voter fraud, 
And now it seems that besides China instigating COVID, it has a huge hand in the election fraud and that the first paved the way for the second. There's one guy I know who has been on both threats, and that's our guest today. William M. Briggs, statistician to the stars, is an author, philosopher, and scientist. He earned his PhD from Cornell University in statistics. He studies the philosophy of science, the use and misuses of uncertainty, the corruption of science, and the uselessness of most predictions. He began life as a cryptologist for the Air Force, so he's got that going for him, slipped into weather and climate forecasting, and matured into an epistemologist. He writes at wmbriggs.com, as we've said before. You really need to read wmbriggs.com. Matt's co-author of The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. It's available at all fine bookstores, uh, those that remain, and of course, Amazon. And I was reading through the lawsuit brought by Sidney Powell in Georgia, and on the very first page is a reference to her star witness, and it's William M. Briggs. What I like about Matt is he's a committed Christian, scientist, studious person. I trust him, a man in whom is no guile, and he's been busy. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Ed. Thanks for having me back. Oh, thanks for coming back. You know, it's... it's, it's uh, <laughs> It's a blessing when people come back after the first time and say, oh, that didn't suck as bad as I thought it did. So thank you very much. It's entirely so, my pleasure. By the way, the book is not available anywhere right now. It's sold out because of all this nonsense. You can't even get a copy showing you why the management of this pandemic was so lousy. You could try, but they don't exist yet. They get, they're trying to get a third printing uh, in the works somehow, but not yet. Well, you make it sound like that's a bad thing. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> I want more people to read this, especially people <laughs> in charge, uh, our putative rulers and elites, uh, so oh, that yeah. they, could, they could actually learn something. Hey, along those lines, so you're a PhD, right? Uh, well, I suppose so. Okay, so that makes you a doctor, right? Just like Dr. Jill, right? I'd never, the only title I ever cared for was Staff Sergeant. I never called myself Doctor. I never made Staff. I, I got out just before I made Staff. I was a Buck Sergeant in the Air Force. Yeah, my there brother. You go. So, yeah, so in this country, we're not supposed to have titles. We're And we instead of them, we have honorifics, right, which pretty much serve the same purpose, except that they should point to your profession. Like, you should be, like, maybe statistician. Statistician yeah. Matt Briggs, or you know, there should be like I got Pastor uh, Pastor Sean Todd. Uh, but when I talk to my pastor, he has a first name. You know, uh, there's Doctor Mengele's. You remember him and Pastor Jones from uh, the Kool Aid fame. You know, I mean, it, having these honorifics gets to a point where it tries to exalt people above normal people. That's you know, oh, I'm doctor. I've got friends who are doctors, like yourself. They don't insist on being called doctors. Probably because you, you, you could not have said it better. This rank credentialism that is so rife in, in our culture, the rise and tyranny of the managerial class, wherein they control all avenues of education and, and, and these credentials, and then use these credentials to lord it over you as if the, the, the mere holding of these things is enough to justify any action they might want to take. And so that's all part of the same symptom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, we, we see that happen in, in churches in particular. Um, we had uh, 
oh my goodness, a while back I had William Federer. And folks, next week I'm having William Federer on again. We're gonna talk about Christmas in America, historian, author, William Federer. But we were talking to him before about Thanksgiving Day. And he pointed out that the church that came over, the pilgrims, when they came over, they were Congregationalists. And so as such, they didn't really have a quote unquote pastor in the sense that most churches have a pastor. So they landed on Plymouth Rock and they thought they were going to Jamestown where there'd be a representative of the king there to tell them what to do. And they got there and they said, well, who's the boss? You know, who's in charge here? And they decided that they were in charge. They would be in charge and they would appoint somebody to lead them. And as such, that's how we got Governor William Bradford and uh, moved on from there. And I'm, I'm thinking about this uh, um, event you and I were talking about on the phone the other day that uh, Tom Shalou, the comedian, I should say, excuse me, comedian Shalou, was talking about the other day on, on uh, the Eric Metaxas broadcast, uh, www.christmasdayuprising.org, christmasdayuprising.org. And the church that you go to right now, Matt, it, how are they handling? I know you got kicked out of one church uh, a couple months ago when we last talked. How's it going now? Oh, it's much the same. Uh, I, I tried to, to, to communicate with, uh, with the fellow in charge, a priest, and he never responded to me. I mean, uh, he, he's giving in, like a lot of people are, to the, to the secular authorities, to the fear. Uh, the fear rules everything. The fear of the experts, the, the, this is the problem. We're not allowed to challenge experts, and they're experts by virtue of being appointed and in charge. And therefore, any, any, any uh, possible disagreement is called denial and, uh, and so on. So unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm a, a Catholic. I go to a Catholic church. It's, uh, it's, it's the same. It's probably better than most. Uh, the, the church here, but it's not, it's not good. Uh, the, collectively, our bishops have uh, been very weak and have surrendered to the fear uh, and even excused people from attending Mass if they're, if they're scared themselves. There's been nobody who's been willing to, to stand up and put this thing in perspective. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I shall fear no evil except coronavirus. That's, that's the, from the original Hebrew as it now yeah. turns out. And so we, that, that's the kind of level of stuff that we're at. And it's, uh, it's, we've had a year of this now, a year, almost a year. And it's absurd. Nobody's learning the lessons. Nobody's trying to learn the lessons. We're all surrendering uh, far too easily. And too many of us are afraid, terrorized even. Yeah. You know, you were mentioning uh, the he, the original Hebrew of Psalm 23, or, yeah, Psalm 23, you know, uh, yay, though I walk through the valley of Corona death. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, there's a verse that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as, the, as is the manner of some. And so basically we have a commandment in the New Testament telling us go to church. And it doesn't say anything about social distancing. It doesn't say anything about a building either. It just says get together as a church. And this whole Christmas Day uprising, I was surprised to find that uh, Tom Shalhoub himself, the comedian from Greg Gutfeld's show, is is a devout Catholic himself. And he was part of uh, founding this website, encouraging people to tell their priest, 
tell their ministers, tell their pastors, I'm going to church. Now, I made that decision a while back. I, I, Unfortunately, I broke with a number of friends in a church I'd gone, my wife and I had gone to for years, and a good friend of mine was the pastor, and we just came to a disagreement on this. Uh, he wanted to keep the church distanced. I go to church now that uh, you want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. If a mask is good, it's going to protect you, you know? If, if the mask is that great, you've got one on, that's fine. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, we'll go maskless. It's, it's, it, to me, it's a symbol of religious repression in a sense. It's like, uh, oh, it's like wearing a badge. It's like wearing a yellow star, you know, in World War II Germany. So It, it is. It is. Uh, not only that, uh, every instance we've looked into uh, to whether or not masks, Mask mandates, mask use in the general public and this kind of stuff. Does any good at all? The answer has been no. Uh, that's from 1918, even after the Spanish pandemic, the Spanish flu pandemic, which was, of course, much worse. And they concluded after that the mask did nothing. Masks don't do I'm anything. Sorry. They spread fear. Uh, yes, they And that's do exactly something. what they're for. And you get the dirtiest looks. People assume if you don't wear one, because I don't, uh, that you're 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 automatically infected, and you're going to infect them, even though they're wearing their masks. For some reason, people have convinced themselves that their masks are useless at protecting them, and that you must wear one that protects them. This is just nonsense. It's uh, it's been studied time and time again, uh, but to no avail. The, the 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 people in charge of us ignore these studies. Uh, for the most part, not everybody. There, there are there are some people who do not, uh, like uh, Governor Nome in South Dakota, Governor DeSantis in Florida, and some others who are uh, not giving in to the shrill cries. Uh, but too many are in New York. Here, uh, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo is the governor, and he's just a brute. He, his only goal is just to get people to obey him. He doesn't care about anything else. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a matter of, I told you to do this, therefore you have to. And uh, the fear is being sold constantly, constantly by the media, with no, like I say, no perspective, none whatsoever. I, just, just to give you one anecdote, if I may pester everybody, I recently <laughs> did the numbers for the 1957-1958 Asian flu. This was very big. It killed about from 2 to 4 million people uh, all over the world. Uh, and at a time when the world's population was about a third, it is now. And the, some estimates are it's about 120-so thousand killed in the United States, which is on par, uh, relatively speaking, to what we have now from the corona doom. But there was no panic then, no restrictions, no you know, uh, you know, heedless running in every direction, trying to find safety where it is not. Uh, so there's been a major change in the country uh, in the attitudes of the people and in the attitudes of those who lorded over us. So that, that's, the, that's the only real change. The, the, the other thing was just as deadly as this one is. And like I said many times, we get these things every 10 to 20 years, and we're going to get another one. There's nothing going to stop the next one. So, you know. You, know, uh, you said is, masks do nothing, of, but uh, something actually. Worse. Oh, I'm sorry. I, go ahead and finish what you're saying. I well, won't go there. I'm sorry. That was it. That was it. Well, you said masks do nothing, but then you went on to say they, they spread fear and they they well, also symbol your virtue. That's another thing they do. But in in 1918, 1919, did they not also kill people? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, even now, we, there's a British medical journal paper came out a couple of years ago. Uh, particularly, cloth masks are nasty because uh, they they trap the moisture uh, more readily than some of these other paper type masks, single use type masks. And uh, they but because they trap moisture on the inside of the mask. Anything that you're breathing through the mask kind of gets trapped in there, and it's more readily recycled. And they found out infection rates were higher for people wearing these things. But none of that matters because it's a matter it's a matter of your submission. You're wearing the thing. That's what they care about. And yeah. and nobody, you know, the the, the best people uh, the best people keeping everybody straight are this range of people running around screaming at people for not wearing masks. They have no idea what they're talking about, and they but but they've. They've given in to the fear, the constant, constant fear. Uh, and I, I don't know quite what to say about it. I would have thought after a year of it, people would have got tired and started disobeying. But that's not true. I know that it bothers me much that this has become the new normal. And now you and I are the abnormal. We walk around like people did a year ago without a mask, a diaper on our face and all. And I went into a grocery store yesterday and I, I walked in the door and I know that this grocery chain doesn't normally care about masks, which is why I go there. Big chain here in Michigan. You may be aware of Myers. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. And so there's a guy at the door and I thought, uh oh. And so I walk up to him and, you know, towards him and he says, hey, welcome to Myers. I says, thank you. A Merry Christmas to you, too. And just walked on. And, you know, I keep my distance from people because if they need that to make them feel happy, that's fine. I don't need to crowd up to somebody, you know, and I'm walking down the main aisle and this guy's walking towards me, an older guy, and he turns and says, hey, you're not wearing a mask. And I just turned to him and I smiled and says, gee, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> As if you only just realized <laughs> What what incredible powers of observation this guy has, you know? So, anyways, I did, I thought, you know, why am I going to yell and scream at him or say, you know, no, well, you're no an idiot for wearing that. a mask. No, just leave me be. You do you, I do me. I hate that saying, but it, it actually sums it up. So, I asked him, what did they think of the Shaw meta-analysis or the, the, the Danish mask study that came out? What did they think of the numbers? Well, and you know, that you can't, shuts yeah, them up I, I don't because they have no that, idea. I nobody don't nobody knows this stuff, and the press is as... being utterly irresponsible. They will not tell you of these things, and the leaders, especially yours, Governor Whitmer, what a character. None of this stuff gets out. It's it's almost as if it's forbidden knowledge, and uh, you know the the, the big tech lords uh, censor this stuff when it does get out. Even stuff from you know what we used to call scientific journals censored because it doesn't fit in with the uh, with the elite scheme. Well, you know, I thought from just from watching the news, I thought that California was the most repressive state government as far as Corona doom. And I just read this morning, it says right here, the pandemic lockdown closed 32% of Michigan businesses. Highest of all states in the U.S. Nationally, government-enforced lockdowns closed 19%. So that's the average for the nation. And we're 32% in Michigan. And this is reported by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, compiled, be, compiled between July 20th and September 30th. And then they go on to say that Michigan was followed closely by Pennsylvania, 30%, Washington at 27%, Vermont, Hawaii, and New York, your state, at 26%. And... Just recently, Governor Whitmer 
had announced that uh, we would be closed for so many days. And we thought, okay, the 21st will be open. We can eat Christmas dinner in Frankenmuth if we want. And I said, no, she just extended, arbitrarily extended it. And now it's, I think, the 26th. And so everybody I know that wants to eat out is driving to Toledo to eat out. And meanwhile, my friend's restaurants, the local restaurants around here, I have three friends that own restaurants and they're they're struggling. And it's like, we had David Coleman on. I don't know if you're aware of David Coleman. He's a, a pretty good lawyer. He's been fighting a lot of this stuff and uh, also involved with the election, election fraud also. I didn't know if you'd bumped into him or not at some of the hearings. But uh, it, he's representing a handful of restaurants that are trying to push back on this. But it, once again, like I was talking to a guy, a contractor today, we were. T- he came out to give me an estimate, and we were talking about, you know, why do people put up with some of the restrictions that are put on them in the building trades, or or arbitrary building inspectors that come out and say, oh, uh, you need 12 inches of concrete for your driveway. What? 12? That's absurd. Well, my friend was told he needed 12 inches because he's inside ipsy city and he was running as a candidate for republican uh, republican office and they knew that so all of a sudden for him it's 12. well the point is if you try and argue this contractor was telling me about the irs so he had to pay ten thousand dollars to get audited for one year to for all his legal and bookkeeping expenses ten thousand dollars the irs found nothing so they went back another year cost him another ten thousand dollars back another year cost him another ten thousand dollars and that's unrecoverable money for him. That's just money gone. But the IRS can afford to do it. They have the state taxpayer-funded lawyers to oppress us with, and we get nothing. And his everybody told him, he says, do not go after the IRS. Do not try and get anything back because every year you will get audited afterwards. And that's the, that's the tyranny we're under. That's exactly right. I don't know that lawyer, but you can certainly put him in contact with me. I'd be happy to help take Whitmer down, uh, the, the restrictions are absurd. They're not based on anything uh, except fear. There's no, there's no, look, let me put this in perspective for you. I, I, I try to show this graph every week. Deaths in the United States peak every year about the 1st of January, you know, plus or minus. They do every single year they peak. We, we, we have maybe 66,000 people, 70,000 people even a week who die. Not, not of corona doom, but of all sorts of causes. And most of that is caused, uh, in the old days anyway, it was from flu and pneumonia. Uh, because we all get, the, the reason is, why do, why do deaths uh, peak in the wintertime? Because we all go into our voluntary lockdowns, where we all go inside the house and spread these germs among ourselves, and people get sick and some succumb. That's the way it happens. So what's going to happen is, they're saying they're locking down now, and it's for our benefit. But that's always start to, to go down again after the first week of January or so. Uh, and they will again. Uh, every indication is they will again. And then they'll claim credit for this. So they're going to take credit for the weather, the seasonality. And it's, it's absolutely absurd. And the problem is flu and pneumonia, no one's testing for them anymore. They've disappeared. They're absolutely gone. The world over, the, the World Health Organization compiles this flu tracker. And what it runs on, it's the same thing the CDC does, pretty much, is they, they take uh, data given to them by various testing sources. So people uh, voluntarily are tested for flu. Uh, okay. Matt? Nope. Oh, sorry. Hold, 
Hold that thought. Use the plane. We're going to come back after the break, folks, with Matt Briggs. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines. Now let's rejoin the host of Your American Heritage on Wham Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM. Ed Bondarenka. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate that. So once again, we are back on the air with Matt Briggs, a, a statistician to the stars. And we were talking about the Corona doom. And um, Matt, um, a friend of mine, Jay from uh, California, sent me this uh, meme, mem, whatever. The government convinced you to take an experimental vax without liability for a virus with a 99.8% survival rate and you think I'm the crazy one. What yes, do you think about exactly the vaccine? That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly. People, healthy people under about the age of 45 or so are at shockingly low risk of this, uh, of this bug. Uh, people uh, under, say, 20 or so and they're healthy uh, are at almost no risk. I mean, not, almost none at all. Uh, the, the people, the average age of people who are dying from this is about 80. Uh, and they are generally uh, in ill health uh, and at the end of their lives uh, at any rate. Uh, so, you know, it's true. It's killed a lot of people, but uh, that's, what, that's what these bugs do. Uh, to have closed down the entire nation for this never made any sense. Uh, it still doesn't make any sense. Whether or not you take the vaccine should, uh, you know, taking any, any kind of medical treatment, uh, you have to take into account three things. What's, uh, what's the risk that you face? And for many people, it's quite low. Uh, then how, how efficient, how efficacious is the vaccine itself? And then what are the potential side effects? Uh, they're boasting a very high uh, efficacy for these vaccines that we have out now. Uh, my experience with medical data is uh, everything runs perfectly in the experiment, which is what, what they did to, to sort of arrive at these numbers. But in real life, it's much sloppier. Uh, the, my guess is the real-life efficiency will be closer to 50% than the, the 90% they're boasting of. Uh, that's just an opinion. Uh, that's just based on lots of, years of lots of years of looking at this kind of data and seeing how it plays out in real life. Uh, the, yeah. the, the experiments that they ran to prove this kind of stuff have a lot of weaknesses and so forth, but they did it in a real big hurry. The side effects are real. Um, there was no deaths in any of the side effects that were reported. Uh, but there were also no deaths. They had about 20,000 people who went through the trial in the, in the Pfizer vaccine on both a, a vaccine arm and a placebo arm. Uh, and uh, about 10 times as many people got it in the placebo arm. But... Uh, we, we don't, no, nobody died is the point. Nobody died in either group. So this, this bug, it's just not that deadly. We don't know how it protected against anything. You know, there's a lot of 
uh, mystery still out there about these vaccines, how valuable they are. Uh, so the, the, that, that kind of stuff is still open. The Moderna stuff was just approved, I, uh, I think it was yesterday or today. Uh, so I haven't looked at the numbers for that, but I imagine they're much, much the same. They were built using very similar technology. So, well, I'll, I'll take in, I'll take issue there. I think it's the AstraZeneca was the one of the three that was actually built on aborted fetus stem cell oh. uh, yeah. research. So it's that to me, that's like building medicine off of, once again, uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele's and saying, well, you know, Mengele's was a Nazi, but, you know, some of his experiments here, we took the fruit of them and made this thing, and it's a good thing. You know, to me, there's the concept of uh, the fruit of the poison tree, you know? Certainly, certainly, absolutely, a ethically, absolutely, no, no, no question about that. I was just giving you the, the numbers side of the thing, and I haven't even looked at the AstraZeneca numbers at all. Okay. Well, folks, uh, the, the number is 734-822-1600 if you have a question for Dr. Matt Briggs or myself or Derek, for that matter. And uh, we'll attempt to answer and entertain your, your uh, question as well as we can. I ask you to keep it brief. We have some things we want to talk about. Uh, I'd like to move on from the uh, corona doom right now to something else you were involved in. And, and I'd like to preface it by saying very quickly... We know that there's a huge problem with this election. Uh, people posing as eligible to vote who aren't, people voting twice, ballots coming in from phony addresses, ballots purporting as mailed in with no creases, no return addresses, no signature, and then illegal voting oversight that's barred from being oversight. I, like Patrick Colbert, friend of ours, you know, he's, and, and others, you know, kicked out. Oh, you can't watch what's going on. Pay no attention to those people counting votes behind the curtain. Software that doesn't count votes by one, but by, by ones, but by fractions. You know, not an integral count, but a fractional count. And maybe you can address that in a second. Machines that are not allowed, not allowed to be connected to the Internet. And we know that they are because updates are being done on them. Oh, yeah. And updates are being done on them. They're not validated by software engineers to know exactly what these updates are doing. Now, if Google changes the terms by which I use their software, I get a notice. They let me know, hey, we're changing the software. You need to know this. We're required by law. But I guess if you're running an election, it really doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want, however they want. And, you know, they don't have to tell you what they did. And then they relaxed the rules that allowed this to happen. And these rules were issued without the legal authority to do so. So courts and secretary of states, governors overwhelming the system during a time of ginned up fear and fear that was ginned up, what? By the corona doom. So it's, and who sent us the corona doom? China. Now, are you still with me? Have you tuned out already because it just makes you upset? I know people have given up like they did in 2020 or 2012. No more, polit no more politics at all. I'm just going back to playing my guitar. Sure sounds peaceful, but is that the right thing? Matt? Well, l listen, uh, cheating in elections in America is rife and common. It's pretty generally agreed that, uh, that Kennedy stole the election from Nixon in 60, 1960. Uh, they did it the same way that uh, it was done on election night in this year. Uh, the votes were coming in uh, mainly for Nixon. Uh, and Richard Daley, who was the boss of Chicago and of all Illinois, uh, waited. 
waited, waited the count, held the count back, and finally said, how many do you need? And the votes were procured. And, of course, Kennedy won. And Nixon, aware of this, decided not to challenge it for the, for the good of the system. So this has happened before, an election holded by Democrats in the old-fashioned way, uh, a presidential election. Uh, uh, Philly Magazine, I, I like to point this out, uh, had an article themselves. This is a hugely Democrat town. And they had an article in their uh, Philly Magazine that said uh, basically three or four years, well, maybe five years ago now, a long time ago, uh, lamenting the amount of cheating. They said it's getting too much. It's getting too much. A lot of precincts were going 100% for Obama, that kind of thing. And this was the Obama-Romney uh, 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 mm-hmm. race. And so they even said this is just stolen in Philadelphia, basically stolen. And a lot of people now say, well, yeah, there's cheating. There's cheating. But was it consequential? And I always answer, they wouldn't cheat if it wasn't consequential. What are they doing? A hobby? They're just trying to see how many votes they can get away with? No, yeah. it was the, it, the same kind of thing. The election was going Trump's way. And in these five states, uh, the, late into the night, after they realized that tr- the voting was going Trump's way, decided through various means to stop counting. That's it. We're quitting counting. Uh, pipe over burst and one thing. The others are too tired to continue and on and on. All these lame excuses. And then the next day, these huge swaths of votes for Biden were discovered in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona and Wisconsin. It was the same story. And so uh, basically what I did is looked at some statistics of this kind of thing. And the most important one was uh, work I did with Matt Brainerd. Somebody, some of your listeners might have heard of him, uh, who is running the Voter Integrity Fund. Basically, uh, in the, in the uh, question of absentee ballots, uh, a lot of votes went missing. So what happened was uh, people were encouraged to vote because of, uh, by absentee because of the corona doom, and many did, uh, but their votes weren't counted. And we know this because what happened was we did a survey. I didn't do the survey. I got the data from the survey. Brainerd did the survey, called people up and asked them very, two very simple questions. Did you request an absentee ballot, and did you return it? And looking at the, the number of people who said they returned it, these are people, these are people uh, by the way, I, I forgot to preface this, these are people who are on the absentee ballot list of the official state registry. So these are people who were said to have got the ballots. Uh, and they asked the people, and a substantial number of them, the ballots were never recorded. And I estimated how many of ballots went missing. It's in Michigan, it's like 35,000 or so. So these ballots were never counted, uh, according to these estimates. And what happened to them? Why weren't they there? And in Michigan, it's this, some of this stuff gets technical, and I'm not going to bore you with it, but we did another analysis looking. Every state seemed to do their own thing and do this in a different way. This was not coordinated uh, in, a, in a sense where there was one, one you know, organization that was calling people, telling them how to do all this. This seemed to be sort of independent actors, is my guess doing this stuff in the old-fashioned old way that they knew how. In Michigan, uh, you can look at the comparison between the 2016 and the 2020 race, looking at the numbers of absentee ballots used. And, of course, in 2020, the percentage of absentee ballots went up because of the corona doom crisis that the government uh, foisted upon us. Uh, so that's not unexpected. But what was shocking was in Michigan, 
and the only counties we could find data was in, it went up exactly 1.5 times for Democrats over Republicans. That, it was this very strange, strong signal in the data. So it seeming to indicate that uh, they were weighting Democrat ballots more heavily or creating them more often or doing whatever they were doing. Yes, Democrats were told to vote more often. Uh, some people say uh, that the, they encourage Democrats more than Republicans to vote absentee. I don't believe that. But well, that uh, would be a function of of Google vote reminders. Uh, yes, that's been said yes, that, that, that part also happened. That Google, Google definitely helped scam uh, a lot of people, and so did all the big tech, Twitter and Facebook. They they made a bunch of changes before the election, and then took the changes out afterwards. Uh, so it happened. It's a very strong signal. You would think. Yes, maybe you could say that Democrats would use absentee ballots more than Republicans, but it did not vary in county or precinct. Over over thousand, two thousand three hundred different precincts, it was the same. So yeah. that's just too suspicious, and that is part of the lawsuit that uh, Sidney Powell uh, and Lynn Wood are bring, bringing to the Supreme Court. I guess the Supreme Court did accept the Georgia and the Michigan one. But they rejected oh. the uh, Wisconsin and Arizona one. Interestingly enough, with Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Trump lost by, I think, 20,000 votes. And I have a video from James Troopas that I may or not play the audio to where he details all of the election fraud. It was a Senate hearing. And he yep. details every last thing. And it's a total of 200,000 votes that were tainted. These were votes that should not have been counted, and yet Trump lost by one-tenth of that number. Yeah. So we have a call from Mark from Howell, and uh, we'll take that call from Mark and see what he has to say. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you, Ed. First off, I want to thank both of you men for your service. Thank you very much to your service to our country. You'll start right off with that. Um, I've been wanting to put this plug in for your show for some time. Uh, it's very powerful today. I'm not going to add anything or ask anything of what you've discussed because you've brought more to the table today than I thought you could do in an hour's time. My plug is get your show on two hours, okay? It's very powerful. Um, with guest hosts like Mr. Briggs, his knowledge and your knowledge, and then maybe instill in a couple of little uh, call segments behind these guest hosts, uh, it's very powerful. I think you'll be behind... Uh, Operation Freedom and Theron Show the Edge. I think those would be the top three. And then, of course, with Dennis Prager on board now, the top four shows on, on this uh, station. But just keep it up. God bless you. Uh, we're, we're being bombarded with so much stuff, it's overwhelming. But what a great show today. And that's, that's my plug for you and Wham Radio. Thank you. Merry Christmas, Mark. You just made my day. I'm ready to cry. I kid you not. I mean... We try. I mean, my wife and I finance. We self-finance this show. We're, this is our ministry. This is our church ministry to to America, to Michigan, to our you know our audience. And I struggle to. I don't want to recount uh, news that you know regurgitate news clips that everybody else has heard, points of view that everybody else has heard. I try to get on guys like Matt Briggs, uh, Bill Federer, David Coleman, Professor Wagner. Uh, Pat Colbeck, and and guys who are on the front lines, guys who can bring something to us to tell us what's going on and inform us so that we can make decisions for ourselves. Thank you so much. Joe from Wyandotte. Now, okay, so I'm all built up. Joe's going to shoot me down. Joe, make it quick, buddy. 
I didn't realize we could get paid for, to do plugs. How much can I get if I plug you? <laughs> no, but seriously, there's a reason why they cheat where they cheat, and it's not just Michigan. There's a reason why they cheat in Detroit rather than Lily White Ann Arbor. They could just as easily do it. Lots of votes there, lots of cheating that could happen there. But, of course, when we expose the fraud in Ann Arbor, they would have to deal in the facts. But when they, we expose the fraud, like during the Jill Stein recount in 2016 in Detroit, they play the race card, and the coward rhino establishment hacks and Lansing cower in the corner. Yep, exactly right. It's always frustrated me that we had a, a Republican Secretary of State and Attorney General in that in that election, and nothing was done in Wayne County, which led to what we saw this time around. It's it's very frustrating. And but Pat I think Colbeck was the only one that attempted to get any changes in law so that it could be overseen. Because literally, they know don't seal the bags. If you don't seal the bag. Your vote tally stands. You can claim, well, votes were removed, so that's why they don't match the counts now. So a recount is null and void. Whatever lie they say is the count stands in the election, yes. and that shouldn't be true. If the bags aren't sealed and the vote can't be verified, that precinct should have, by law, its votes completely nullified, null and void. Right. And this soft bigotry of racism that the Democrats always hide behind with this. They say, oh, it's not fraud. It's, it's incompetence. I'm sorry. Are you saying black people are incompetent? How <laughs> is it racism. that blacks continue to let Democrats get away with this racist bull? Anyway, thank Thanks, you, guys. Joe. Love you. Take care. Talk to you later. Thank you. Merry Christmas, buddy. Thank you very much. Wow. So, um... They, they tried you, it this Matt. time, too, saying, uh, the you know, uh, well, you're trying to disenfranchise black voters. Uh, I'd like to see anybody stand and tell me face-to-face -face and, and not smile and say elections in Detroit are pure and honest. You know, it, I, it would we, be just worth the spectacle. <laughs> you know, for instance, uh, there's a Sharikia Hawkins uh, 38 years old, city clerk for the city of Southfield, was arrested Monday after the Oakland County Clerk's Office noted discrepancies in voter counts while certifying absentee ballots from Southfield. State police investigated and found that records had been altered so that nearly 200 voter files were improperly listed as invalid. Now, why would she stop at 200? Right? If you're going to do it, do it right. Or maybe she was, and that's just what she got caught for. If indeed she did it, because we're assumed innocent until proven guilty. That's that's how we work. That's how we roll. Um, you know, there's part of, we need some gumption in standing up to this, and we expect some of it from our leaders. You know, we're not seeing it from William Barr, who... I was just made aware this morning. I did not know this about William Barr. He was the attorney general during the Ruby Ridge incident and actually is a, is opposed to gun rights. I never would have guessed that of William Barr. But does that make him a swamp creature? I don't know, you know. But I do know that he stepped down, and I don't know who we're going to get in the short interim. 
Uh, we have the assistant attorney general. He steps up. So will he do something for us? We don't know. I, John Roberts in the Supreme Court, it's getting to be where he's not a disappointment anymore because we don't rely on him. Did he really scream at the other justices that, you know, he didn't want rioting in the streets, so that's why they weren't going to take the case? Did he really cower, you know, the other justices? Do you think that happened, Matt? Yes, I do. <laughs> As a matter of fact, <laughs> I, I, Roberts is uh, Roberts is a thoroughly uh, company man. Uh, that That's what it is. He, he desires to be seen uh, by the, his fellow elites as a good guy. And so he's going to play along with whatever they do. And that's my take on it. I, I can't see any evidence that would suggest otherwise. Nothing. Nothing that he's done. He's disappointed us time and again, and I believe he will continue to disappoint us. You know, when people think that uh, judges don't allow political issues to sway them, yeah. they haven't seen that legal drama, that uh, seasonal legal drama. It's a classic legal drama. It's called Miracle on 34th Street. And in it, the uh, Santa is proven in court to be Santa. And Chris Kringle is proven to be Santa Claus. And once again, folks, uh, tune in next week for uh, uh, William Federer explaining about Santa Claus. It's really good. Your kids will want to hear it too. So uh, the uh, William Frawley, I think it is, goes to the judge in chambers and says, well, actually, let me play it for you real quick. See how this works. I don't care what you do with old Whiskerpuss, but if you go back in there and rule that there's no Santa Claus, you better start looking for that chicken farm right now. Why, we won't even be able to put you in the primaries. But Charlie, listen to reason. I'm a responsible judge. I I've taken an oath. How can I seriously rule that there is a Santa Claus? Okay, you get the drift. You know, he's got to he's got to keep the populace happy. Is that what John Roberts was doing? He, he had felt he had this responsibility. Hey, look, uh, Matt, we've got another caller. We've got about two minutes left and we've got Elizabeth from Troy and uh, she wants to promote an event. So, Elizabeth, make it real quick, please. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for your service. And I had a feeling that you self-financed and that you do this because you love God and our country. And in my observation, people who are fighting against our liberty and freedom don't love God. There is a celebration of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, in Lansing on the 23rd. That is, I believe, Wednesday. And basically, it's a celebration of Christmas. So, Anyone who is available to celebrate our beloved Republic and Christmas will be meeting from 4 until 7, and there will be a parade of lit-up vehicles at 6 o'clock. So God bless you, and God bless America. Elizabeth, is this involved yes. with the Gretsch that stole Christmas? Yes, yes, that's what it is. The Gretsch that stole it, it, Christmas. Okay, perfect. Yes, yes folks. Yes. The, the All right, thank you, Elizabeth. Christmas. And Merry Christmas yes. to you and a Happy New Year. So let's see now. It's 5743. The music starts playing at 5750. Matt, you got like five seconds for some closing words. God bless us, everyone, as Tiny Tim said. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. Matt, thanks for producing the show. Once again, folks, tune in next week. You're really going to love the show. I, I hope you like this one. Merry Christmas.